This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Swings here and he drives one deep in the center. Puig is racing back, still going back. He looks up, it's gone! Over the center field wall for Hunter Pence. Pence will touch them all and score them all. A grand slam for Hunter Pence. It's not easy when it's tough. That's when you find out what you're made of. You get so much Brisby in your ears if you want it. If you want Brisby, oh gosh, you get it. Anybody want coffee? I'm making coffee. Anybody want? Yes! 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 I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. You're listening to The Baseball Barista with Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode four of The Baseball Barista. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Hunter Pence. How are you doing today, Hunter? Hey, Grant. I am heavily caffeinated and I am doing very well. Great to be here. Ready to talk some baseball. Yeah, I'm pretty caffeinated too. I had a late night last night, so this should be interesting. I'm uh, I'm kind of levitating. I have so much caffeine in me, so I guess that's why it's the baseball barista, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get much better than coffee, talking baseball, watching baseball, doing the things, you know? We're going to talk about a couple different things today, but we're going to start on the topic of no-hitters because you're pumped up about this. Like, you watch Carlos Rodon, you watch Joe Musgrove, and like, you have thoughts about no-hitters. I'm a sucker for a no-hitter. I watched plenty of them with the with the Giants. It seemed like they had one every year for, for a stretch there. Tell me about no-hitters. You think that the real story is behind the plate with the catcher. I don't think that the real story is behind the home plate with the catcher, but I think that there is a, a lot about the catcher working with the pitcher. And I think that it was really cool that Caratini, the back-to-back no-hitters on two different teams, there's not coincidences. And I think... That the catcher plays a pretty big role and like feeling the flow of the game, knowing how to call, knowing how to steal strikes, keeping that confidence, keeping the pitcher in a certain way. I think catchers impact the game, like their calling and their fielding in such a bigger way than is is actually given credit for. And I think it's a fun thing to talk about because as a fan, you don't feel that as much as a, a an everyday player who's battling the catcher and like thinking along with the pitcher and the catcher. And so I just think I want to shine, like give some credit. I would like to see like Caratini's like ERA or like no one really in this data age that we're in right now. Hyper has looked at like catcher. I know that like the teams are because they're talking about like how many strikes are they stealing, but like looking at the catcher's ERA and those sorts of things. What's your thoughts? Like, what, do you just think, oh, that's random that he caught two no hitters? Not really. I mean, it's when it comes to catcher ERA, they did have it going fairly early on in the sabermetric revolution, and they found that it was hard to isolate. It was very hard to separate from the quality of the pitching staff. It was very hard to to like pull a catcher ERA and say, ah, oh, you know, this is different. This catcher's doing that, but you know that it's there. It's like baked in. I remember when there was like a big sabermetric fisticuffs when it came to Yadier Molina and his value. And there was one side that was like war. You know, here's his war. His war is not that great. And there's a part of me that's like, we're going to look back on this in 10 years, 20 years. And if we can quantify this, we're going to look silly because everyone who is playing with Yadier Molina, like respects the hell out of him more than you know, the typical catcher. And there's something there. There's a, a comfort there. There's just like a talent there that maybe isn't in that that data that we can parse out yet. 
You know, for many years, like battling Yadier Molina, it's super annoying to play against him as a hitter because for whatever reason, the way he receives and the angles that he stands, it just seems like everything is called a strike. And like, you can't even be mad because he catches things he receives so well. And I don't know what like him in the La Russa era, what they had like figured out or what they had going. And he's still like tremendously good. Like, and obviously I think he's become a better hitter as he's gotten older. Like his offense is insane. Like he's one of the most impressive baseball players of our time. And it was just really, really tough whenever you faced him, all of those strikes. And you, there was no way of arguing it because he just caught it so good. So you feel that. And 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 I even played with this guy, super amazing guy with the Reds. He caught a no-hitter uh, that Homer Bailey threw against us. I think it's Hannigan. Do you remember Hannigan? Yeah, yeah, Ryan Hannigan. Ryan Hannigan. Go look at where he went and where he caught and how those teams would be going to the playoffs. And then when he left, those teams would not go to the playoffs. The staffs got improved. And he was like, no one ever really talked about him. But he called an amazing game and caught an amazing game. And he went to the playoffs at a very high percentage. Grant, I'm going to call on you, the numbers man. Find out how many years he played and how many times he went to the playoffs. He played 11 years. He started in 2007 uh, with the Reds, uh, and he went to the playoffs, let's see, three times with the Reds, 2010, 2012, 2013. Giants fans remember Ryan Hannigan. He's got a special place in, in Giants lore. Do you, do you know why? I know that he was catching the grand slam that Buster caught, and he had the greatest reaction of all time. Yes, he's got a special place. Just, I was it's, on it's deck the for gift. that. You know, obviously it was a, it was a crushed ball and it was gone, but hit, the way he spun around, I mean, it was it was a no doubter, and so he's got a special place in Giants lore. Yeah, but I know that Hannigan went to the Red Sox and made the playoffs as well. He might have been hurt, but like I think he was at the helm of of that run. Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, when you've got a catcher who is steady and someone who controls the staff like that, that helps with the the no hitters, obviously. Can you have a catcher who's a little shakier defensively and still throw a no-hitter, still still do the perfect game, still do that stuff? There's a confidence. There's also like a flow. There's a reading the hitter. There's a, a also like a, a comfort with the pitcher. For instance, like I know Hector Sanchez caught both of Lincecum's. They just had a rhythm and like kind of felt each other really like there's a connection there that happens. And like here's another one that's super crazy is like Vance Worley. And Ruiz, by the way, is one of my favorite catchers, and he's caught he caught you know Roy Holiday's I'm, I'm not sure I think it was just a, a no hitter maybe a perfect game like him and Holiday had it going on but Worley and Brian Schneider uh, he was my teammate great guy I love this guy amazing but him and Worley had something going on in his rookie year like the next year they were like no because Ruiz is our offensive guy like we're not going to do the personal catcher thing Charlie Manuel didn't believe in it but Worley didn't have the same year. Like they just had this vibe. And so that's one thing that I think is really fun to watch and really fun to pay attention to that like stats of this day and era needs to like figure out or even just like a, it's like a manager's role to figure out those vibes and those connections. Cause Sanchez and Lincecum, man, they had something special. And like, I mean, you're talking Buster Posey, another one of the best catchers in the world, but it's just like, there's this weird thing where some catchers just have this flow with, with certain pitchers. And I think it's a, it's one of the more fun things when you're like really deep diving into baseball to pay attention to. 
you know, I've been spoiled getting to watch Buster Posey for the better part of a decade, and he's as steady as it comes. And last year, uh, when he opted out for, for family reasons, I was not prepared for how noticeable the difference was. When you lose that steadiness and you've kind of taken it for granted for so long, you know, for example, Johnny Cueto and Joey Bart just had trouble getting on the same page, and that sort of, you saw it in this spring. They just, they can't quite sync up. You notice it, and you take it for granted after a decade. Buster is blessed. Everything is so soft and graceful and gentle and easy. And he's like watching him catch. It's so soft. Like it's really fun to watch him catch. And, and it's really fun to to see all of the different catchers in their ways and their styles because they all have different personalities and, and different ways of calling and receiving and catching. But Buster, he's so smart and it's so fun to watch how he's thinking and reading hitters. He's doing more than you even realize beyond just how athletic and great he is at receiving, how smart he is at knowing what the hitter's thinking and, and feeling that out. And, and Johnny is another one who's on a different wavelength of reading hitters. He'll do all the research and the prep and the pre, like this is what you're supposed to throw, but he's watching you. He's watching how you're swinging, how you're standing in the box, like what you're looking at. like, And he is reading, like it's almost like Johnny knows how to read your mind. It's crazy. And, I, and when I was facing him, I would be sitting slider for like one pitch. Like I would be like sitting fastball and it'd be like slider, slider, slider. I'd be like, all right, I'm looking for slider now. And he'd immediately throw a fastball in. Like, I don't know how he did it, but like, it would be like 20 pitches in a row that I guessed wrong. And like, whichever one I was thinking, he threw the other. I don't know how he did it. It was awesome. You talk about it like it's rock, paper, scissors. No, it's all, you know, it's eventually you're going to guess right. But there are like some people who are good at rock, paper, scissors. There's rock, paper, scissors competitions. And like the same people sort of show up every year. And there is a little bit of an art to that. It's bizarre. One thing that Posey does, and he's, he's done it more in recent years, he looks at the hitter. He's waiting for the hitter to make the first move. He's looking at the hitter he's staring at the hitter seeing how they're setting up and then he's moving inside outside calling his pitch like he's got his eye on the hitter first he's like you tell me what you're gonna do and i'll adapt to that yeah and there's a lot of things that buster does that's super hard to even notice with regards to like say a runner's on second and like you know someone doesn't have super complicated signs he's watching the hitter watching the guy at second and waiting till he looks away before he gives the sign like he's timing so many things he's so good at it that it's like almost unconscious so like he's like watching you when you're looking and when you're not looking and he's watching the hitter like making sure that they're not reading like his movements there's so much to catching that's very hard this is why like when you can defensively catch and call a game really well at the big league level you stick around for a very long time because there's so much orchestration that you have to like handle so much quarterbacking that you know like yeah you can sometimes be a bopper and like hit your way into like all right we got to get this guy in the lineup but it's going to be a long process before you master those little things that no one's stealing your signs. You're not tipping anything with how you're setting up. So it's an art. And Yachty and Buster and some of these guys, like obviously Caratini, I, I got to go watch him, is doing something special. Now, you do not, I encourage you not to name names, but have you played on a team where the general consensus around the clubhouse has been like, gosh, this guy's like you're hearing it from the pitchers, you're hearing it and you're just not vibing with this catcher. Have you ever been on a team like that? There's certain times where pitchers aren't vibing with a certain catcher and then other pitchers like that catcher. But there's also certain times where 
sometimes like the catcher's just not ready and they're not like mad at him or whatever. But you can also just like tell the difference in like someone who's like crazy good at receiving and crazy good at calling a game versus not. And I do think that Buster was one of the first ones when I first came over and and before like the whole spin rate high, he was really onto the high heater and like he took advantage of that really well before it became like the whole thing. And going back to like, if we're talking about when I first came into the league, things that have changed is like when I first came up, it was like down and away. Like keep the ball down, keep the ball down, keep the ball down. And like down is my strength personally. Like it was easy for me to, to like, cause I had long arms to hit balls down. So I kind of, you know, profited off of that, but it became like up and in and up was like a huge thing. Like as like data came out that, you know, up is where you get swing and miss. That's been a definite trend. Like you see the rays, you know, the rays are really good at, at fastballs up, fastballs up and missing, missing above the zone. So when you've got someone like Buster who sees that or a catcher who maybe is ahead of the curve, because that's going to be the trend in baseball. If you have a template, if you're going down and away, down and away, down and away, which hitters are going to succeed? It's going to be the hitters who can hit down and away. And at some point they kind of populate the major league baseball universe. And then you have to adjust. And now it's going to be up and up and up. And then you're going to get hitters who succeed with up. So how much of that is data driven? How much of that is a catcher kind of figuring this out on his own? Is it a marriage of the two? You know what? Nowadays, there's so much data and there's so many people and everyone's looking so hard for that like next edge to be ahead of the curve, the first one to figure things out. I would say like the last three years that I was in the big leagues and, and, and probably this year, they have all of the data on every hitter and they will know like this guy's hot. You know the hot zones. That's what that old red, you know, red and blue and whatever. So the catchers are sitting there studying these sheets that are just handed to them like homework. It's like it's basically like that. And they just like sit there and like, you know, everyone's hot zone or that's what they have on their little armband is like and sometimes it even changes in the count. So it's the hitters that are able to cover both and are able to switch. And like that's what I kind of had is I had like different approaches. Like if I'm approaching up, I'm going to take this swing path and that's what the whole launch angle and the whole barrel like matching the plane and the spin axis is you got to match the plane of what pitch you're expecting to get so like to hit a low pitch it's almost like a golf swing and your barrel needs to kind of come under versus like a high pitch you almost have to tomahawk and flatten your barrel I'm glad you brought that up because this is something that that's personal to me insofar as I've been writing about baseball for you know about 20 years and for about 15 of those years, I thought I had a pretty good handle on what I was talking about. You know, it was, oh, well, high on base percentage is good. And, you know, you're looking at strikeout to walk ratios and you do this, that and that. And it felt like about 2015 and 2016, I got lost. I got lost in the discourse. Like all of a sudden now it's spin rates, it's launch angles, it's exit velocities. It is this marriage of data and scouting in a way that man, you really have to know what you're talking about. Did you feel that as a player? Like, were you just kind of humming along and you had scouting reports and everything was, you know, as it was. And then all of a sudden there was like really detailed scouting reports and hyper-focused data scouting. I mean, is that, did you feel that as a player? Yeah, there was definitely like, a pretty fast transition and it started with you know because I came up and it was old school and it was you know execution do the little things right like get the guy over like if you had barrel control you know like manipulate the barrel and like hit the ball where it's needed for the for the moment keep the ball in front of you it was just like doing the little things right in the X's and O's and execution and if you didn't get that job done it was like hyper important whereas as launch angle came into play and they started realizing that slug equals runs and they stopped caring that much. Like when I first came up, it was like, do not strike out. Like two strike approach, put the ball in play. Nothing can happen unless you put it in play. 
and where it changed to like, who cares if you strike out, take your same swing. It doesn't matter where the runners are on base or what the thing is. Take your A swing, take your best swing to, you know, drive the ball the whole time. Because if you slug, we're going to get runs more often. If you take more A swings, you're going to do more damage. And so like this whole old school, new school data driven and the math I think there's got to be a balance. And at first, when it first started coming, there was a lot of old schoolers that made a lot of fun of it, didn't want to pay attention to it, didn't believe in it. And then it started to shift to like, hey, I got to figure this out and I got to get on board with this and there's ways to get grow and get better. But I think we are missing a little bit of that old school. I don't necessarily totally agree with always take your A swing. And I even messed up with that. Like when I bought in super hard, I think there were times that I needed to change my swing, help the team in a certain way. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. When you came into the league, you are known for having like an unorthodox, you know, your mechanics, your swing, and it's it's very unique. You know, there's there's only one Hunter Pence. Do you think that if you came into the league today, or if maybe if you were with a different organization at the beginning, other than the Astros, that they would have tried to mold you into something that you weren't? Is Do you think that would be something a risk that, that would have been there? I have no idea, to be honest with you. I think, honestly, I got very lucky. I was with a very, a really wonderful organization. And at the time, there wasn't that much information. But I think the people that were with the Astros at the time were incredibly smart and ahead of the curve. Because actually, when I came up is when it was really rampant to like change someone's swing and to be like hard on the players and like... You know, in college and high school and stuff, I had to change my swing like 10 times. I had all these coaches tell me all of these different things. I was like, oh, man, it's so exciting. I'm with the pros. I'm with the, you know, the best knowledge in the game. They're going to, like, teach me the right way to do it because I've heard 10 different ways. And as soon as I got there, they're like, we're not telling you anything. <laughs> you figure it out. Like, like we don't want to touch you. We want to let you be you. That was probably the biggest thing because I was so eager to learn that I might have like mentally messed myself up trying to do whatever they told me to do or if they were like put me in a certain way because a lot of times when you think and hit you get in someone's way and I think the new era there is like mechanical things that you practice but a lot of times they stay hands off unless you want it like that's what it's kind of transitioned to if you want help we're going to work with you if you like and take what you like and leave what you don't you know it's just gotten smarter and that's the better way than like forcing a hitter to do something that's uncomfortable they're not going to hit well if they're up there thinking you know the ball's already doing so many different things you can't hit and be like trying to elbow up and get my thing here and like you know like you have to be hand-eye coordination non-think when you're in the box these days yeah because i've always been impressed with that that philosophy when you came up with the astros they basically just said when it stops working, maybe we'll we'll have a conversation. But just just do what you're doing, and if it keeps working, it keeps working. And that sort of built into a career with you, right? It was exactly that, and I continued to like hit well enough that they weren't going to change me. I had a couple stints in the big leagues where things were tough, but their whole thing was like, if you get off, start hitting the ball the other way in BP. That's all they that's all they would do is just like come out early. We're going to continue to hit the ball the other way in BP. Don't pull all the homers that you like to do because I like I loved pulling homers as a kid in, in batting practice and just hit it as far as I could over and over again. So that would be what they would do. And sometimes that gets you spinny where your barrel's coming out of the zone. So then they would be like, all right, get back to the other way. And that was li- literally all they, they did. And uh, Sean Barry was amazing. He was uh, the guy that I worked with for many years. And man, I was really fortunate to work with him. He was like the hitting coordinator in the minors and then the hitting coach when I got to the big leagues. It was awesome. 
Now, when you had your breakout, not breakout year, but like your renaissance year with the Rangers, right? There was a lot of talk about you had a little bit different swing. Was there like a data component to that swing or was it like peer scouting? Was it you noticing something? Was it someone in an organization noticing something? Where did that come from? So Doug Lotta, like when you speak launch angle, he and like a lot of people are working on that. He does not like go for any launch angle. Doug Lotta is crazy smart. And he's like, look, I have these certain principles you need to do. We're going to tailor them to you. We're going to get in the lab. And like every single swing you take with him, there's a camera from the front, like looking at your swing. And the whole goal with Lotta, he has like a whole system and it's all really good. And this is like Justin Turner's like really mastered it. But everyone has to turn it into their own. Like he doesn't make clones. We're not all built the same. We can't all swing it the same. You have to put in the work. But he's going to teach you how your barrel can line up with certain movements of pitches and how to basically create more time by having your barrel in the zone a longer time. Like you have very limited time as a baseball player. And what you want is is basically it's like math. It's like you want your barrel to be in the zone as quick as possible. So you're there really, you're there early and as long as possible so that you have a chance to do damage. And so with his swing plane that he teaches you, which was totally opposite of everything I was taught, I was always taught swing down on the ball, swing down and inside, you know, like never swing up. And it's like kind of like Prince Fielder was doing it for a long time, hitting tons of homers. He was like, back leg and swinging up a lot of players even think they're swinging down on the ball when they're actually swinging up like mike trout yelich these guys have crazy awesome swing planes but that's all it is is the math of getting your barrel you know short to and long through is the old school term and it's basically teaching you that and teaching you that you can actually swing under the ball not over the ball i don't know if that makes sense but you're swinging for the bottom of the ball yeah, no, that does make sense. And it's, I think the funny thing about all this is, is all the talk about data and scouting and StatCast and, and all this. It's not new necessarily. The data is, the collection is. But when you read like Science of Hitting, Ted Williams, he's talking about a lot of this stuff. He's talking about the bat through the zone. He wanted to say, you know, like uppercut because of the, of the time they were like, no one's going to want, you know, the uppercut. And no one believed it. If you said when I was coming up to you know swing under the ball or to uppercut, they'd be like, no, 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 like you're gonna pop out. You're not gonna do like no. They changed it to upswing, which is upswing exactly what Lotta's teaching is what Ted Williams was doing. Are you struggling to close deals? B two B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network. You're there to look for jobs. You're there to post jobs. And how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. We are going to move on to Ask Hunter. This is a segment where people get to ask Hunter Pence some questions. And 
We have a couple different questions. You picked out the ones that you feel you can riff on. And the first one is from Steph Cheng from Twitter. You are Steph. And she wanted to know who the chattiest or most entertaining catcher was to talk at the plate. Oh, man. That's such a great question. Miguel Montero talked so much. I almost think he did it as a strategy because, like, I personally, I like to say hello and whatever. But when I'm hitting, I don't want to be talking. I don't want to be thinking. And he was, like, joking and laughing and nonchalanting the whole time. And, like, he's so nice. Like, you don't want to be rude. But, like, I needed to focus. Like, he got me out a couple times because of that. So Miguel Montero, really nice guy, really funny. And he was a chatty catcher. Same question, but first base. So now we're talking, you're on first base. He just hit a single or took a walk. Who's chatting you up at first base? Now, see, at catcher, I don't want to be talking. But once you get to first base, like, you're, you're running the bases. You're on base. You're happy. You got a hit or whatever. So, like, usually it's a more fun conversation. And there are some interesting conversations with first baseman. There's some chatty ones. Ryan Howard was amazing, obviously, because I got to play with him. Joey Votto is so smart and so interesting and he would ask you the weirdest questions and just like just a really uh really interesting guy he's a funny fella i always enjoy talking to him we just published something on the athletic about joey Votto and just what an interesting cat he is and you get to first base and i remember stephen piscotti had a, a quote where he's he's on first base and Votto's like oh so you uh stanford huh engineering major does that help you with your swing and piscotti's like what how do you where are you getting this from he's always asking stuff about your swing about your life about you know what like just weird stuff and like and i feel like he has intention behind it but it's uh, always a unique conversation and like before skinny jeans like as skinny jeans were coming becoming a thing i think will ferrell did like this whole skit on like got my tight white pants on or something he got like the tightest white pants and like came out to that song that will ferrell sang i'm the only guy in town wearing tight pants I got my tight pants, I got my tight pants on. It was just like, this dude is a, the the best. And that was when they were still, they were going to the playoffs. So it was like super swaggy. All right. Steph has a, a follow-up question, which is, uh, which is the best visitors clubhouse? I mean, there's some great ones. It's so impossible to beat the Yankees visitors clubhouse. It is massive. They bring in like a burrito bar, like, you know, Chipotle. They got like all sorts of options. The food is just like immaculate. The Yankees first class, like insane clubhouse. But another one that I have to give a huge nod to that I always loved going to because I, I barely ever got to go to the Yankees. I, I think I only like played there two or three times in my career. But my favorite that I got to go to a lot was the Milwaukee Brewers Clubhouse. They always had, they have like an arcade. He just did an amazing job. It just felt like, like if I was to have a man cave, it would be that clubhouse. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember there being a lot of constant, like a lot of grumbling when it came to Wrigley Field. Is that a visitor's clubhouse that's a little tighter? Wrigley was, it was pretty tight. Uh, there was a lot of times with... Uh, a lot of people sharing lockers and you can barely get dressed and there's no there was no cage for many years so like if you're a pinch hitter you had no way of warming up like they finally added a, a batting cage but that's such an advantage to not have a batting cage like like how are you supposed to get prepared stay loose especially for older guys i have no idea how they did it for so many years it was it was very difficult 
Yeah, that's a clubhouse that was built when like the average American male was like five foot one and, you know, subsisted on no protein diet. You know, that's a clubhouse that's built for a different time. Yeah, there wasn't the healthiest of options of food there for a long time as well. So like you got to bring your own food if you want to have something like actually fueling you. I mean, this was like way back in the day. And and, and he he was just old school, the guy who ran it for so long. Uh, he was always fun to talk to, though. Really, really passionate. It's also like if you had to go to the bathroom, the walk was forever and you had to be in, in, in like metal spikes going up these stairs was like impossible. So it was a, it was definitely you didn't want to have to go to the bathroom while you were there. All right. We have another question from Bill Berg. He wants to know what your favorite Hunter Pence sign was. Do you have a, a favorite one that sticks in your mind? That was such a wild time. And I remember when it, it started in New York and we went to Milwaukee and I was like, it was just like two games. And I was like, ah, oh, that was funny. Like I'll do a post in New York. It's probably gone. And when I get to Milwaukee, they have a ton of them. And I was just like, what? And it just kept happening. But I remember in Milwaukee, they have, they're famous for the sausage race. Someone had made one that like Hunter Pence picks, chooses hamburger in the, in the hot dog race. And I just thought that, that was very <laughs> clever. There was a couple of good ones. I remember the song, um, I'm All About That Bass, was really popular. And someone was like, Hunter Pence is all about the treble. Or is <laughs> not, not about that. That's not Hunter bad. Hunter Pence is not about that bass. Uh, I don't know. But just like little trolly things like that. It was good times. If you were to make a, a Grant Brisby sign, what would the Grant Brisby troll sign say? Oh, boy. I don't know. I just, all right. So. Do you have any idea, like, what my career was before we did this podcast? Like, a little bit? Like, do you, do you know the Hunter Pence scouting report? I don't know the Hunter Pence scouting report. I got, like, I know that you, like, had, like, a giant, you covered the Giants, and you were passionate about covering baseball for, for I didn't know, when you said 11 years, I didn't know it was that long. So I just know that you, like, had a blog for a long time, and you've just, like, kind of earned your way into where you are today. I had this post. It was uh, five lost scouting reports. And one of them was a fake scouting report for you. And it went semi-viral as far as these things go. And the Braves broadcast would bring it up all the time. Uh, I think it was you threw like you were throwing a bookcase uphill. You know, like I had like all these. It was like a fake scouting report. So I think my Hunter Pence sign would be something like that. I, it would be, you know, something to do with the mechanics. I've always just been fascinated with how you looked so much different than every other player and it worked. And it's, it just, it's always been a fascination. So I, I think it'd be something like that. Okay. Okay. I got a question though. So there's been a couple of those scouting reports that have like kind of bounced around. I've seen one like several times. I wasn't sure if that was like an actual scout or <laughs> so maybe that was actually just done by you because like everyone shows it to me all the time. I'm like, yeah, I've seen this. You know, I get it. And I also did the like the weird commercial with ESPN where um, just like the Hunter Pence baseball camp learn to throw like you don't have an elbow and whatever. So was that like the same kind of thing? You were the one that did that? I was. It was all Photoshop. Yeah, it was just uh, and it's a funny story because it was right after my my second daughter was born and I was going to take a couple of weeks of paternity. And then the second week came and my my bosses were like, can you come back? And I was like, come on, man, after a week, I should be bonding with this. And I was sort of grumpy about it. And that's the post I did and it ended up just getting all kinds of traffic and and people, you know, the Braves, every time you would go into Atlanta, they would read from it. It was it was funny. People would tag me on Twitter. That was it. That's awesome. And now we're doing a we're doing a podcast together. It's been a weird ride. It's been a weird <laughs> it's a ride. Great I ride. do <laughs> I do have a question. One of the Hunter Pence signs was Hunter Pence can't parallel park. Hunter Pence cannot parallel park. Am I missing something? Am I being stupid? I'm not 100% certain, so I don't want to give you a, oh, a false story. 
Do you want to clear the record on that? Can you parallel park? See, that's the funny thing about the signs is everyone would make a sign and then they would hold it up and stare at me and want to know if it was true or false. You know, like Hunter <laughs> Pence doesn't like deep dish in Chicago. And then I'd be like, no, 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 I like deep dish, you know? So like, I, that, it was a weird fascination that like people needed me to respond to their sign. So that was fun. But uh, no, I'm not very good at parallel parking. I cannot. It's actually correct. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So if you want to ask Hunter a question, uh, hashtag ask Hunter, do it on Instagram, do it on Twitter. He'll answer. I mean, he answered Steph's question, he answered Bill's question. So come on, give us some questions. All right. So we're going to do just a real quick prediction and I'm going to really hyper narrow it down to one series that's going to be happening this weekend. Dodgers Padres. It seems like this is the series that everyone, every time they play, baseball is going to pay attention. So what's going to happen this time? They're in LA. Are there going to be more fireworks this time? Here's my thing. I'm going to be like objective here and I'm very excited for these series. They're fun to watch. It's great. But the Padres have just been getting dominated by the Dodgers like as of late. And you know, this first series, you know, it, it went the Dodgers way. So I have to take the Dodgers. Like, the Padres haven't shown. They have all these great games, and I remember there was a walk-off throwout at home plate. There was the 12-inning game, the Mookie Betts diving catch, which, like, crazy thrilling games, and the Dodgers just seemed to edge them out. And, like, even the game uh, in the playoffs where Bellinger robbed Tatis' homer to center, and that's a huge park in Texas. If they were playing in San Diego or L.A., that's 100% a home run. You know, it's a different ball game, but they were playing – a playoff game between the Dodgers and Padres with, you know, wherever the, I forget, I don't know what the new name of the Rangers stadium is. You know, it's just like this wacky thing where the Dodgers just find a way to win. Things work out for them. So I have to take the Dodgers. Yeah. It's fun in the off season to talk like Dodgers, Padres, King Kong versus Godzilla. You know, this is, this is what we've been waiting for. And then you see the games and it's just sort of like, it's the Dodgers until further notice. You know what I mean? Like until the Padres are dominating the Dodgers, you got to just always take the Like the Dodgers have been the best team in baseball for a long freaking time now. And it's just until someone dethrones them, they're going to continue to be the best team in baseball. Like the Giants, I think, play better series against the Dodgers for whatever reason. I think it's just that rivalry. You know, last year they had a very, very tight series, the Giants and the Dodgers. And, you know, the Padres kind of dominated the Giants last year. So that's why I was really happy to see the Giants win a series in San Diego. The Dodgers-Padres is exciting because both of them have such high expectations and great teams. I feel like the Dodgers have the edge there, and I think that the Giants-Dodgers series are what I'm more excited for. All right. Well, this has been episode four of the Baseball Barista. Uh, I am Grant Brisby. I've been here with Hunter Pence talking. I've been drinking Pineapple Labs Poseidon. Poseidon's I mean, this is good Power stuff. Up? Hey, you like it? What are you tasting in there? You know, I have the world's worst palate, but I just know good when I... You it's know, just like, good coffee. Like I, just good coffee? Yeah, I can tell the difference between like Folgers and like good coffee. And like, so I get it and there's a, a sweetness to it. So I'm on board. I'm on board. Thanks for giving the shout out. We're happy to send you some. And I think one of the coolest things about Pineapple Labs coffee is that every month we come out with a new curated coffee. And it always it, it's always going 100% of the proceeds are going to a different charity each month. And the Poseidon's Power Up is going to Players for the Planet. And they're going to be donating it to Batting Cleanup, which is helping clean up the oceans and the beaches, specifically a lot in the Dominican Republic, which uh, we have so much baseball history and, and connection with the Dominican Republic. But it's exciting. And, and to me, it's very important to do something that we love and to get to the opportunity to give back. So thanks for showing some love to Pineapple Labs. I'm glad you like the coffee. 
Absolutely. All right. This has been episode four of the Baseball Barista. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. I love coffee. <laughs>